אוקיי, אז שם אמרו ברכה, גדבוך, שבוע טוב, שבוע טוב. It's ready Wednesday, we're getting ready for the next Shabbos. As we get closer to Purim, so there's a lot of insights coming up, and also remembering insights in Chizukim. So just to remind a beautiful insight from Rav Pinchas of Kiblich, Kublich. He was a, a student of Rav Nachman Tochener. He suffered a lot of persecution for becoming a breast liver. And, uh, but he was very strong and he made a lot of followers. <clears throat> so he had a nice chidush on the Megillah. You've heard this before. It's, Vayahav HaMelech et Esther Mikol HaNashim. So the Vilna Gaon brings this rule, and it's brought down in several places, even in the Midrash, that every time it says HaMelech, it's referring to Hashem. And if it says Melech HaChashverosh, HaMelech HaChashverosh, it can't do anything. But it's HaMelech Stam, so it's referring to, to Hashem. So Hashem loves, loved or loves Esther from all the Nashim. Esther refers to Hidbodedut, because Hidbodedut is really Esther, because no one knows what you're going to say. You yourself don't even know what prayers are going to come out. It's not a written text you're, you're reading. It's coming from the heart, and it's spontaneous, and it's new words. So it's totally hidden. Esther is a Seter. You have no idea what, what's going to happen in this Hidbodedut session, what words are going to come out. Those type of prayers, Esther, Hashem loves from all the other women. A woman referring to Ishayirat Hashem, he titalal. Rabbeinu says that a woman is Ishayirat Hashem, he dash titalal, is tehina. That Ishayirat Hashem, the idea of a God-fearing woman, that's the idea of tehina, of praise. So Nashim is prayer in general. Shachrit, Mincha, Marev, Tehilim, Bikrat Amazon, all types of davening, Slichis, Anenu, Rashash, Bahab, whatever. From all the types of prayers, Hashem loves the Hidbodidut. But you have Amelechet Esther, the type of davening which is Hidbodidut, more than any other type of davening. Because this is really from the depths of the person's heart. It's from his inside, and it's spontaneous. So there's no room for the evil forces to try to stop the davening. Like Rabbeinu says in Sichot Aran, that Shachar Mincha Marev is a well-trodden path for not just centuries, but for over a few thousand years already. We're davening the same words every day. So the Yitzhahara, he already knows this path and he knows how to block it. And that's why people have such difficulty to davening. Davening is such a, a difficult devotion. It's not easy. person really has to squeeze all of his energy and be willing to do it even in order to daven properly. And it's not easy. Most people don't have the self-sacrifice Messiah Nefesh. But the more you believe in davening, the more you can. However, Hidbodedut is something anyone, anywhere, what level he's holding at, can simply talk to Hashem. And this type of davening Hashem loves above everything else. Like also Rabbeinu says there in Sichot Aran, that this was the initial way of davening. Initially, before the Anshei Knesset HaGdola, the Holy Assembly established Shachrit Mincha Marev, whatever, everyone was doing Hidbodedut. Everyone was taking time to speak to Hashem in their own words, including in it, Shevach HaMakom, Bakasha and Hoda'ah. They were including in that, right? Praising Hashem, the requests, giving thanks, but everyone in their own language, that was Hidbodedut. So we're just going back to the old path that was original there, originally there, and to redo it. And this Rabbi Nachman says, this is what Rabbi Pinchas Kilbutcher was saying on this verse, that this is the B'zat Hashem. That's a nice insight on the Megillah. And of course, we're now going to be tonight with Tobi Shvat, 30 days before, before uh, 
before Purim, so the, the light of Purim is shining in stronger and stronger and stronger. And we cannot not talk about Rav Nossin because tonight is Rav Nossin's birthday. Rav Nossin's birthday and passing is significant, just as Rabbi Nachman's, Rabbeinu's birth and passing is significant. Rabbeinu was born on Rosh Chodesh Nisan, which is the new year of the kings. And like Chazal teaches, Man Malchei Rabbanan, who are our kings? Are the Rabbanan, the Tzadikim, the Tamid Chachamim. So it's the, he was born on the new year of the kings. Like this is like his... His, uh, his minu, he was, he was meant for this already from his birth. And his passing was on Chai Tishrei, the day of the Ushpiz, the representation of the seven shepherds is Moshe Rabbeinu. And Rav Nosin was born on Tu Bishvat, which according to Beit Hillel is the new year of the trees, of the fruit of the trees. And his passing was on the 10th of Tevet, which was a significant day, close to the passing of Ezra, and also that the Torah was translated into 70 languages, and also the siege, the beginning of the breaking of the wall of Yerushalayim took place on Asar B'Tevet. So everything is significant by Rabbeinu and Rav Nosen's birth date and passing. Okay? So there's a nice chidish from Rav Tzvi Cheshen and Rav Chaim Kramer together. This chidish is meant mixed for both of their chidushim. If already everything is significant by Rabbeinu or Rav Nosen, so you can go a step f- further and assume the day of conception is also accurate. We can assume that Rav Nosen was conceived exactly nine months earlier. If now you take nine months, if that's the case, look at nine months before the year Rav Nosen was born, and in that year that he was born, the year before and that year were not leap years. So it's regular 12-month schedule. You do exactly nine months before Tu Bishvat on the year Rav Nosen was born, it falls on Pesach Sheni. You Dalit, ER, on the year that he was born, 18 whatever it was, 1880, I forgot exactly the year he was born, 1880 something, no, much uh, less than that, no, 1880 something, I don't have the exact date in front of me, I'm sorry. <coughs> so, what's Rav Nosen's connection? 17. 18, uh, what, not, what? 1780 something. Sorry, 1780, yeah, I'm sorry. He, he was, yeah, exactly, 1780. So, Rav Nosen's connection with Pesach Sheni is something unbelievable, because the whole idea of Pesach and the Korban Pesach is the light of the Tzaddik, in particular this Tzaddik, because Pesach is Gemat Shein Nachman, 148, okay? Pesach Sheni, like Rav Nosen says in the Kutel Achot, Lama nigara, why should we lose out? That those Jews who were impure at the time of Pesach, and because they were impure and required the sprinkling of the paraduma on the third and seventh day, and they were still in that process, and they couldn't eat the Korban Pesach in that time, because they were Tamimet, they came up saying to Moshe Rabbeinu, Lama nigara, why should we lose out? Because we're Tameh, we should lose out. And then further, later on, when there would be the temple in Yerushalayim, and there were Jews who were kept up for whatever reason and couldn't make it to Yerushalayim on Erev Pesach in time to be one of the three groups that go into the Beit HaMikdash to do the Korban. And they, they also say, Lama Nigara, why should I lose out? Because I was kept behind because of something that difficult, a tragedy happened or something difficult and I was kept up. I should lose out on the Korban Pesach? In our context, someone who's trapped in impurity and or he's just full of obstacles, that idea of being stuck on the way. He has tons of obstacles. Why should he lose out from tasting the light of this tzaddik? Because this tzaddik is demanding. This tzaddik wants us to get up at midnight. He wants us to do an hour devoted to it every day. He wants us to finish 30,000 pages of Torah every year. The Chathila, ideally. Sichot He wants us to have time for tehillim, for bing besimcha, to give tzedakah, you know, 
to 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 to, to invest in 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 so much, <clears throat> and in the meantime, we have this rigid schedule from Rabbi Nachman, plus all the ups and downs of life, all the setbacks, all the failures, all the difficulties. So what do you want? Two opposites. On one hand, this tzaddik is demanding. And he wants to bring us to the highest levels possible to become a tzaddik. And it's hard work. And at the same time, we have all the setbacks. Lama nigara. Why should I lose out? So Rav Nosin's whole thing is Pesach Sheni. To give a second chance to even the lowest people in the world. That they can taste of the light of the tzaddik. That's the idea of Pesach Sheni. And we go by his conception. The conception of Rav Nosin, Which is a very uh, you know, immodest time, that's conception, conceiving, right? Conce- there's birth, fine, but conception is even more, I'm not going to say gross, but it's that you take from the time of, of, of conception, that's already like way before anything has come out, a child, a birth, fine, a brit milah comes out there, but conception, what's conception? It's still inside and everything. So we, we go by Rav Nosin's conception, we take it that his, his time of his uh, conception, that's where Pesach Sheni is symbolized by Rav his not just his birth, but he his the conception of Rav Nosin, that already was the time that he was destined to give over Rabbi Nachman Natan. He gives his name is Nosin. They would say in Breslev, he gives over Rabbi Nachman. He's the one who's giving us Rabbi Nachman. Nosin Nachman Nachman. They say is the Moach Nun. He's the intellect of the fiftieth gate, if you want to call that. And Rav Nosin is giving this to us. Also, it's Nun Tav. Tav is Chakika. Tav, Vitvita Tav. Rabbeinu says in lesson number one, that he gives the etching to receive the light of this tzaddik. And how is Rav Nosen giving this us, to us? With all of his non-stop encouragement, that even though you are as you are, you can start from now, you can do whatever you want, and connect to the highest of levels, even though you are as you are, as long as you're sincere, and you're honest, and you're not trying to fool anybody, especially yourself, and you want to be a good person, this is Rav Nosen's light to shine into a person. Now more than that, uh, on Tu Bishvat, they, the comparison between the tree is given to Yoshua Binun. Notzer te'ena yochal pirya. When Moshe Rabbeinu told Hashem before he was, he was informed he's going to pass away, he said, Hashem, you have to appoint somebody now to replace me. And Moshe Rabbeinu initially thought his children would replace him. Like the typical Rebbe, Chasei Rebbe and son scenario. The Rebbe passes on, so the son becomes the next Rebbe, right? That's what Moshe Rabbeinu thought also. And Hashem said, no, the one who set the binkalech, who set the, the benches in the Beit Midrash in the desert in Oal Moed, if that benches, whatever, <laughs> the one who set, it, set, set up the Safsalim, that's the Lashon of the Midrash, the one who set up the rose in the Oal Moed to learn Torah from you, and who served like the tea, you can imagine, like you have here, they serve tea with nana, you know, <laughs> serving tea to the people learning. It says that, that he was serving food to the Tamil Chachamim, who were learning Torah from Moshe Rabbeinu. He is going to be the next leader. Him. Why? Because his shimush is far greater than any intellectual capacity. The shimush that Yoshua Benun had, coupled with his humility, that he did not find it at all beneath his dignity to serve others who were trying to learn Torah and to serve Hashem, and to feel the greatness of the second person, this is what made Rav Nosin, Rav Nosin. His shiflut, in the Yiddish, they, they called him a shtika blote, a piece of, in his eyes he was a piece of mud. Rav Nosin viewed himself as mud and the value of everyone else. That's why Rav Nosin became Rav Nosin, because he had this unbelievable sense of humility that no matter how great he'd become, he would always throw himself back on humility. 
that you know he wouldn't take the the the, grand, the honor and everything, the pride, and use it to become a big shot. He was always able to just go back on humility, and for 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 Hashem, that was the quality of Yoshio Benun. And Rabbeinu called Rav Nossin, you're my Yoshua, you're my Yoshua Benun. That was also qualities found in Rav Nossin. So they compare, Notzer Te'ena Yochal Pirya goes mainly on the fig tree. This Pasuk, uh, is, is the, 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 the Midrash, they interpret on the fig tree. What's unique about the fig tree? The fig tree doesn't produce all of its fruit at once. It's not like there's like a harvest of figs. They all come out at the same week, the same day, more or less, so I can harvest in one shot, like in an orange tree, an orange grove, you know, other dates and everything. There's a, there's a season, and the, the fruit, more or less, ripen at the same time. So I can take a tractor and, ripe, and, and harvest everything in one shot. The fig tree is a bit difficult, it's more difficult, because, number one, if it stays too long on the tree, worms come in. You have to harvest it on the right time, the right spot. Second problem is, is that the, the figs don't come out all on the same day. There's some on this day, some on the next day, and it goes on for a period, and you have to cut them on that day. If not, they can be infested with worms, right? That's, that's, that's what sticks out of the, of the fig tree. So the harvester has a hard job for harvesting the figs. That's why they're not cheap also. The figs are not, they're not a cheap product when they're fresh and kosher and everything. You have to take them on the right time before they, they stay too long on the tree or else you lose them with, with, with the worms and everything. So the, the harvester of the fig tree, he's called Notzer Te'ena. He's guarding the fig tree because he has to every day see what new figs are coming out. Okay? So, so the Midrash says this was the quality of Yoshua Benun. And because of his humility and a shimush, he was able to pick a good point here, a good point there. That's the idea of Notzer Te'ena. Oh, a fig is ripened today. Here's another good point. The Midrash says this about Yoshua Benun. That he was chosen because he wasn't so much into accomplishment, like big, major, big bucks accomplishment. He was into points, another point, another point, another point. Like the fig tree is all points. Every day, he has to see which figs are ripened. Oh, so take them down immediately. It's a good point. That's why Yeshua was chosen. That's what Hashem told Moshe Rabbeinu. Notzer te'ena yochal pirya. He who guards the fig tree will have what to eat. Because he doesn't let the fruit stay so long on the tree, so it doesn't go bad. And it's not early ripened, it's not before it's ready. At the right time, the right spot, and he has to check every day. This is a quality of Yoshua due to his humility that he valued every good, good point. And this was also unique about Rav Nossin. Rav Nossin's big thing, you can take a look in the letters, Rav Nossin's letters. His biggest motto that comes out of the letters to his son is Azamra, is finding the good points. He told, his, he told Rav Nachman Tulchner once, in your eyes it might be an old lesson. When Rav Nosson would go over saying the lesson again and again, he said, in your eyes it may be an old lesson, but by me it's still fresh, like I heard it yesterday, like I heard it today. And, and he would go over that a lot, because really that's the secret to succeeding in life, is by finding the good and looking for the good against all odds. For that you need extra koch, that's true. But that was Rav Nosson. Rav Nosson had that koach and that strength to find the good, like he said Rav Nosson himself, even a Jew transgressed against the entire Torah 800 times, I could find many, many merits in such a person to fill many pages because I know what a Jew has to go through in this world. So I can done the kafschut, even the, the biggest sinner, 800 times the entire Torah. That's not a joke. The entire Torah, 800 times to find merit. So this is Rav Nosim. This is Tu Bishvat, the, 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 the idea of a fruit. 
you have the, the Arizal explains, and Rabbi Nachman brings this, I think, in lesson 66 and also in lesson 68 on the kas, on the, on the, on the money and kas and anger, that the tzaddik is like a tree, and then you have the talmidim, like our branches, and then you have leaves, and then you have fruit. The fruit is the greatest epitome of a talmid. You have the tree, which is the tzaddik, and now the fruit of the tzaddik, the byproduct of the tzaddik, is the fruit. Like Rabbi Nachman says, the tzaddik himself, you don't see anything. The tzaddik can be so removed, he may eat like everybody else, and dress like everybody else, and act like, but he's really on a different dimension. And also, if he is a tzaddik outwardly and everything, he's in a different ball game totally. I have no connection to such a tzaddik like that who's, who's flying in Ananim and he's up there. There's no connection to me. Where do you see the product of a tzaddik in his talmidim, the fruit? The fruit of the tzaddikim are the students. So that's the idea of Tu Bishvat. Tu Bishvat is the light of the talmid, right? And we can go on and on and on. The idea of Purim is connected to Yoshua Binun. The idea of, of Purim Mukafim. Cities Mukafim, Mimot Yoshua Binun. The sages said clearly that the cities walled from the time of Yoshua Binun. Pshat is that was the time they conquered Eretz Yisrael. But they could have said from the time that Eretz Yisrael was conquered. They didn't choose to say it like that. They said in the format from the time of Yoshua Binun. Why? Because his essence has significance in the picking the time for Purim. Purim Mukafim and not Mukafim is based on Yoshua Benun because the whole miracle of Purim is due to the light and attitude of the Talmud Yoshua Benun. Mordechai, his success in not giving up is the whole light of Yoshua. The, the idea of this total darkness and yet not to give up hope that's the light of the Talmud. Like Rabbi Nachman says in Lesson 6, I know we're going in a lot of deep things, but in Lesson 6 you have the, the upper point of the Aleph, the lower point of the Aleph. The lower point of the Aleph, he says, is Yoshua, the student. He's down underneath, he's on, on, on the earth, in the, in the earth, if you want to say, and yet being able to meet Chazik and to serve Hashem from the earth, that's a quality of Yoshua, of the Talmud, okay? So this is the, how it's all connected, the, the, the miracle of Purim, the miracle that Mordechai didn't give up, even if all the odds were against him. Everything was against him. Haman was already sharpening the knives. The Midrash says to shech the kids the next day, <clears throat> to kill every, to start killing people. They were getting excited. They were already torturing them, putting them in prison. You know, and like it was happening. It was happening. It wasn't like theoretical. It was mamish happening. And Mordechai had to go against all of this and go of bitachon, that if the Jews daven enough, there will be the miracle, and you have to keep on davening even against all the odds. That's a big koach. That was the strength of Mordechai, which uses the light of Yoshua. Even though the Midrash says Mordechai was the reincarnation, the Midrash says it, that Mordechai was the reincarnation of Moshe Rabbeinu, still the ability for the miracle to take place, which is Esther. Esther, she's like the Talmid, Talmida of Mordechai. She's the light of Yoshua. So it's called Megillat Esther. The whole Chag is on her, not on Mordechai. He's, he's, the, he's the hero, but she's the real hero. She's, he's the hero who's pushing things to happen. Pushing, in other words, guiding what has to be done. And Esther's the one who listened, followed the instructions, and she's the one responsible for the actual miracle happening. And she's the idea of the Talmid, Talmidah of Yeshua. So there's a lot to say, but this is like 30 days before Purim, that the light of Mordechai and Esther and the light of Yoshua Binun and the idea of Tubi Shvat, the, the, the new year of the trees. And one more thing they say, Rav Nachman Borshtin would say, Tubi Shvat is on a full moon. The full moon. 
and the moon corresponds to the Talmud, Yeshua, right? The sun, Pnei Moshe Kipnei Chama, the face of Moshe is like the face of the sun, Pnei Yeshua Kipnei Levana, and Yeshua, the Talmud, is like the face of the moon which reflects the light of the sun. That's the Talmud. That's the light of the Talmud and the Rav. So, so it's a full moon. To Bishvat, Rav Nosson's conception also on Pesach Sheni, Yudalit, which is like full moon basically. Okay? So he's the idea of, of the full moon shining the light of, of the sun of the Tzaddik. This is Rav Nosson's light which is shining really brightly already starting tonight on his birthday as a preparation for 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 Purim, and in that one more chiddush I'd like to say, Rabbi Nachman said, and he didn't finish clearly his statement. He said initially all beginnings were from Pesach because everything is zecher litziat mitzrayim, and then he said in Yiddish unhaint, but now velosiem. He didn't. He made a gesture of his hand, and he didn't complete the statement. Rav Nossen in Birkat Areach he says I understood from his gestures and his movements, that now all beginnings are from Purim. So the question is, there's a nice chidush, why didn't Rabbi Nachman just say it? What's the problem in saying it? Say it, but now all beginnings. He left room for Rav Nossin to say it, because that's Rav Nossin's inyan. Rav Nossin's inyan is Purim. Rabbi Nachman's inyan is Pesach. Pesach is Gematria Nachman, the Korban Pesach, the Kedusha Pesach, Zman Cheruteinu, that's at Pesach is a time that everyone has strength and energy, and there's Shefa, and there's Koach, and there's Bracha, that's the night of the Seder, everyone's getting excited, and there's, there's, there's strength and energy in the world, in the atmosphere, in life, in the festival, the beginning of Pesach, right? And Purim is like right after the darkness of Shvat, Tevet, and Shvat, and we're beginning at a time, we're trying to collect ourselves to bring out good points, to start with something. That's the light of Purim. All beginnings now are from Rav Nossin. So there's, there's this light of the tzaddik, the tzaddik, but now, and Rabbi Nachman didn't complete the statement because Rav Nossin is supposed to complete it, and Rav Nossin did complete it. He said, I understood Rabbi Nachman's gestures when he said that, that now all beginnings are from Purim. And Purim is Rav Nossin's zach, it's his inyan Hashem. Okay, that was just chizukim for the period. That's, in a class, that's a class in itself, but that's just like agdama. We're going to continue now with Kapitel Tzaddik. We're now in the seventh chapter of the Tikkun HaKlali, chapter 90. Okay? Tfilah Moshe Isha Elohim, Adonai Ma'on Ata Hayita Lanu Bedor Vador. Rabbi Nachman says if we go with his pattern in Likutei Moran, where for Tfilah he brings a pasuk from Iov, Hayachel Tafel Mibli Melach, in yesh berir chalamot, plus that the tikkun Zohar and the Zohar Pinchas and Emor connect tefillah with the sphera of Malchut. So we have a connection between Malchut, the, the, how this pasuk, is, is, this pasuk from Eov is explained, and the significance of this chapter 90 in Tehillim, which basically the whole theme of the chapter is always in the opening verse of the chapter. In this case, tefillah de Moshe. So let's just recap a little how <clears throat> Chazal, how the Midrash and the Zohar explain Hayachel Tafel Mibli Melech Hayim Yesh Ta'am Berir Chalamut So the, one of the friends of Eov are saying to him is there, and I think it's one of the friends of Eov not Eov himself, if I remember listen, sometimes you forget things <clears throat> can you eat 
bland food without salt? No, you can't, right? Question mark. Can you eat bland food without salt? Question mark. Is there taste in the white part of the egg yolk? I'm Ishtam Berir. Derir, the liquidy part of the egg. You have the yolk, which is the more solid part of the egg, the yellow part, and the liquidy part, the rear of the chalamut. Of the, chal- of, the, of, the, of the chalamut is the, not the chelbon, but the chelmon. The, the rear, the, the, the liquidy part of the egg yolk, which is the white part. Is there taste in it when you eat it raw? There's no taste. You have to cook it. You have to add salt. You need salting. So the Midrash, the Zohar points out, and how it's written in the Pasuk is with a tav, and the normal way for writing bland food, bland food means that it's secondary. I need another food item to give it taste, so the item, in this case salt, will become primary, because if there's no salt, I'm not going to eat it. If there's, like, like people say, if there's no milk in the coffee, I'm not going to have a coffee. I need, I need the, the main thing is the coffee. I know I the main nutrients and everything, the energies from the coffee, but if I don't have the milk with it, to give so because of that, the secondary is really primary. In other words, the melach is the main thing because that's what gives the taste, right? The coffee, the milk is the main thing of the coffee because you're not without the milk, you're not going to drink the coffee, okay? So tafel is secondary. So the Rabbi Shimon Bayochai points out it's written with a tav. Since when do you write tafel with a tav? It's written with a tet. So he says, and it's brought, it's since now in the laws of Dikduk in Chazal, in the, in the Torah also, they write tafel with a tav. So we have an opening to connect prayer to the concept of tafel, okay? Tafel meaning a secondary food. There's also a prayer which is secondary, God forbid. What is a prayer that's secondary? Is that when the person can't concentrate on the davening, he's not into the davening. So the, 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 the Midrash and the Zohar compare davening with kavana to a rider on the horse. We went into this once, if you remember, that the Zohar says, Sus is Gematria 126. You get to 126 by expanding the holy name of Hashem, which is associated with prayer and Malchut, which is Aleph, Dalet, Nun, Yud. And you expand it like this, Aleph, Aleph, Dalet, Aleph, Dalet, Nun, Aleph, Dalet, Nun, Yud, adds up to 126. So idea of a horse is the idea of the words of prayer, the words of prayer are Aladala Nun Yud, okay? Sus is an expansion of that. That's the idea of Aleph Beribua, expanding the prayer, developing the prayer. And there's the one riding on the prayer. Riding on the prayer is that the person is concentrating on the davening. The, per- the Midrash says this. If the person is concentrating on the davening, it's like a, it's like a, 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 ride, a rider having control over the, over the horse. He's riding on the horse, so he's in charge of the horse. But if a person can't concentrate in his davening, so it's like he's schlepping the horse. The horse is on his back, on his shoulders, and he's schlepping that the daven becomes a burden. Rabbeinu talks about this in Lesson 30, and also Lesson 1, Part 2 of the Kutimuram, that some people have such a burden in davening, they just want to get over with it already. It's such a burden. I can't stand the davening. When a person doesn't daven with tam, with life, he'd rather be doing other things. He'd rather be dead, sometimes. It's so bitter, just davening empty words that just get over with it already. Let's just finish it. Yeah? That's unfortunately a very sad mitziut. But that's a mitziut. That's unfortunately what happens. Is a davening, Rabbi Nachman says there, person wants to get over with it as soon as possible because it's a burden. It's a burden. If there's no light in the davening, it becomes just opposite. It's not like neutral. Or it's a light, 
or it's a burden, but not in between. <laughs> it's a burden or it's a light. Number one or two. So that's or I'm riding on the horse, or the, the horse is riding on the on the rider. Okay? That's so tafel tfila is 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 when it's it has to be secondary in a positive sense. In other words, for a person it's interpreted as being negative, that the davening is tafel and he's missing light in his davening, so it's become has it's not primary. So what to do? So the, the Zohar says this, Tfilah is Lemoshe. You have to attach your Tfilah, Lemoshe. You have to connect it to Lemoshe. The Zohar says this, unbelievable. The Zohar itself says this, Tikkun Zohar, page Peidalet Amul Aleph, I think, over there. <coughs> Tikkun 44. It says that person has to attach his David, because Tfilah is only Shaykh Le David. Tfilah is only Shaykh Le Moshe. It's only to the outstanding Tzadikim. That's the David. It's Shaykh Davka to them, okay? This is tefillah. Le Moshe, tefillah le David. Okay? So now, Hayachel tafel mibli melach. How it's interpreted now. Can you eat davening? Can davening be consumed without melach? Melach being the tzaddik. Right? Rabbi Nachman goes into the idea of the tzaddik connected to salt in lesson 23, the Kutim milcha. What the Zohar says, we're not for salt. We're not for the salt. The world cannot stand the bitterness of, of living. And soothes the salt. Brit Melach. Brit is covenant. Hashem made a covenant with the salt that, number one, it will have a part in the tabernacle, in the Mishkan. But also, that as a Brit, that it doesn't go rotten. It doesn't go rotten salt. It stays and it's, it's preserved very well and it stays preserved. So that, and Brit also is the word for, for sexual purity, the Kedushat Brit. So the, the idea of Brit Melach is the idea of the tzaddik. So, I, so he's, in, in the verse it's reading, Hayachel tafel mibli melach. Can you eat? Can, can davening be consumed without melach? No, it can't. In order to be called tefillah, it has to be connected to Moshe. Tefillah le Moshe, tefillah le David. It has to have the tzaddik in it. So tefillah is Kedusha Tabrit, which means the tzaddikim, tefillah le Moshe. Okay? And then the verse goes on. This is scary. This is how the Rav, the chair in the Rav explains this. Chalamut refers to the emission a person has in his dreams. Chalamut is like chalom, a dream. Having a, God forbid, uh, what's a, 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 a mikre. A mikre happens when a person is sleeping in the dream. And the rear is also the term in the Chumash where it talks about the Zav and the Zava. So there's called rear, ror, mesaro, and everything. So yesh tam chalamut. So the verse reads like this. Davening, if now there's tefillah without salt, so obviously there will be damage caused from the rear chalamot, from the rear, the liquid coming out from the due to the bad dream. But now, if you read it like this, for sure you can't have davening without melach. To be considered davening tefillah, it has to have the tzaddik, you have to have kedushat abrit in it in order to be called a tefillah. In order for a person to daven tefillah, he needs melach in order for davening. So if you have that, can it be? No, it can't be. So therefore, ayesh tam, is there a tam? In other words, is there a svara? Is there a reason to cause damage rear chalamot from the emission taking place in the dream? That's how the Chernarov explains it, amazingly, how it fits in the Reisha and the Sefa. Odapam. Hayachel tafel mibli melach. Can you eat davening can be davening be consumed and accepted without salt of course it can't it has to be if you have tefillah 
So you have automatically Shemirat Abrit, because it's the Damelach. Once you have Shemirat Abrit Tafel, so is there now a reason for the damage? There's no more Ta'am reason for the damage of the rear that came out from the Chalamot. That's how the Chernarav explains this Pasuk. Amazing, okay? Fine. So this we went into. Now we have to connect it to Malchut, the Sphira Malchut, and the full opening verse now. So if we open up the full verse now of this capital, we get a better view of Tefillah de Moshe and how this is connected to Malchut. First, what is Malchut, the sphere of Malchut? Malchut and this and the sphere are set up is the final sphere that gives out the nourishment to this world. Okay? But on a more specific level, why does Hashem allow this to happen? Why is the last sphere of the nourishment to this world called Malchut? Because the ultimate goal of this creation is that Malchut Shamayim be revealed. Hashem's Malchut be revealed. You know why you goyim are eating? So that you should finally recognize there's a God in the world. Do you know why you're existing? If you're a nice fancy house in, uh, in, uh, in Maui, or I don't know what's it called, all those, those nice West Coast houses, I don't know. You know why you're having it good? So you should recognize Hashem. Do you know why Hashem made this world? So you should recognize Hashem. Everything is to reveal the kingship of Hashem. The whole existence of this world, the final, final goal is that Hashem's malchut be revealed in the world. That's malchut, okay? The trick is that it's a work because the world is associated with the name Elohim, which is gematria teva, nature. There's nature and we have to go above nature. We want to transform the nature to miracles above the nature and that way to reveal Hashem. That's how Hashem is revealed the greatest way. The greatest way Hashem is revealed is that within the nature, miracles happen, transforming to above nature, and that way Hashem is revealed. With that said, look at the verse. Tfila le Moshe, Isha Elohim. Okay? Adonai ma'onata ha'italanu bedovador. So there's a few pieces in the Midrash. The best place this is explained, this verse, is in Midrash Tehillim. Midrash Tehillim, which is a book which is unfortunately so untouched. People don't really know about this book, how precious it is. It's basically a continuation of Midrash Rabbah on Tehillim. Midrash Tehillim, written by the, the Tanaim Amoraim. It's at the time of the Tanaim, okay? It's not a joke. They give 11 interpretations on this verse. On this one pasuk, 11 explanations. Unbelievable. We're going to focus on one which best relates to what we're speaking about here. Okay, he says like this. Thank The prayer of Moshe. Who is Moshe? Amazing. They explain like this in one of the in, 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 uh, eleven interpretations in the Midrash. Ish means master, like Ish Naomi. Ish na the husband, the master. Rashi says there he was called Elimelech. Elimelech. Abimelech. Elimelech was called Ish. Naomi, Rashi says, why called Ish Naomi? He was the Baal, the master over Naomi, because a woman has a husband over her. So Ish connotes master. Who's Moshe Rabbeinu? He's the master over Elohim. What does the media say? Elohim, Gematra Teva. The Lord, who's the God over nature, Moshe Rabbeinu is the master over nature. In a way, this is what the Chazal teach, that Hashem makes a and the tzaddikim are, Hashem says, the tzaddikim are greater than me. I make a decree, and the tzaddik comes along and knocks off the decree. 
That's Isha Elohim. That the Tzaddik is a master over Elohim. Elohim is Teva. The Teva, Hashem, as Lord, when he has to take on that attitude because there's a lot of dinim din in the world, there's, not, there's no tshuva, there's no good deeds, so Hashem has no other alternative but to be tough, to, to, to cause that nature rules, nature is in control, the person, God forbid, has, has the deathly cancer, and then according to the course of nature, that person's finished. We can already assume that after, once he's, the person's diagnosed with cancer, he's going to die within a year, it's finished, there's nothing to do, nothing to say, and the doctors themselves, they say, I'm sorry, sir, you have another five months to live, four months to live, They're, everything is dictated, Elohim, judgment, okay? Moshe Rabbeinu is Ish Elohim. He's the master over Elohim, which is Gematria Teva, nature. He can change the nature. Why can he do that? Because also he's called Ish Elohim. The Midrash says his Ish, his physicality of being a man, was sanctified to godliness. He purified himself that his Ish is also Elohim. He became such a holy person that his Ish is now Elohim also. So that's why he has the power to be Ish Elohim, the master to now overpower nature, Elohim. Okay? Now that's not enough. Now we go on. Adonai Ma'on Ata Ha'italanu Bedorvador. This is now how the Midrash, what comes out of the Midrash explanation. Aleph Dalet Nun Yud, and it's written in the Pasuk that way. It's not written Yud Kevavke, it's not written Hashem. It's written in the Pasuk itself, Aleph Dalet Nun Yud, which is the name of God corresponding to Malchut, which is prayer. So now, read, watch the verse. Ado, Ma'on, Kama, Atahaita Lanu Bedorvador. So Aleph Dalet Nun Yud, Dash, Ma'on. Ma'on, what's this word, Ma'on? Ma'on is like the Midrash says to Makom. Okay? So the Midrash brings in the two explanations. One is very known that the Hashem is the Makomo Shel Olam, Vein HaOlam Mekomo. You would think there's the world and Hashem's place is in the world. No, Hashem is the place and the world is in Hashem. Right? It's not the opposite. Okay, there's the world and Hashem could be found also in the world. No way, no way, Jose. No, it's not. The, there's Hashem and the world is in Hashem. Similarly, you have a horse, the Midrash says this, and went into what we said about the horse and the rider. You have the horse and the rider. Who's the place here? Do we say that the horse is the place and the rider's riding like a free ride on the horse and because the horse is the place? Or do we say, no, the rider is the place and underneath him is, happens to be the horse? So the answer is, the rider is the essence. When you see a rider and the horse, Who's the main thing? Not the horse. The main thing is the rider. And also it says, then the Midrash, when a rider sits on the horse, all of his belts and weapons and everything, they're hanging, sagging on the sides, covering the horse. So the horse is covered with the rider. He's not just on top of the rider, on, on top of the horse. The rider is also covering the horse with his weapons and his belt and his bags and the food and the, the, the water canteen, whatever. All that is covering over the horse. So the rider is the makom, and the, source, the, the horse is by the way. Okay? So that's the idea here of Adonai Ma'on, which is prayer, is the Ma'on. But this prayer being Ma'on is explaining who Tfilah LeMoshe Isha Elohim is. Okay? Tfilah LeMoshe Isha Elohim, what is he doing by being Isha Elohim of turning nature 
to do miracles, that nature is dictating this. Rabbeinu says in lesson number seven and lesson number nine, that prayer can make, make miracles. Prayer can change nature and make miracles. That's the power of davening. He says davening, Eretz Yisrael, miracles, they're all, and emuna. they're all one concept. He says that in lesson seven, lesson number nine. So that Tefillah Moshe is to do that. Tefillah Moshe, that it's the prayer of this tzaddik, that he worked on himself. He's now the master of Elohim, of the Teva, that he controls that. And from his prayers, he can transform that. So this quality is the quality of Tefillah. And the holy name associated with Tefillah is not Elohim, it's Aleph Dalet Nun Yud. So Adonai Ma'on is explaining the words Tefillah Moshe Ish Elohim. This Tefillah Moshe Ish Elohim, we call it Adonai Ma'on, because this is really the place of the world. Aleph Dalet Nun prayer that's, that's revealing Hashem's Ma'chut in the world. So Hashem becomes the Ma'kom of the world when His Ma'chut is revealed. This being Moshe Rabbeinu's power, Ata Haita Lanu Bedor Vador. What the Zohar says, the present of Moshe Rabbeinu is in every generation. Itpashtuta de Moshe bechol dara vedara. The presence of Moshe Rabbeinu is in every generation. This tzaddik called Moshe Rabbeinu, his presence is available in every generation. What that means on Pshat, according to the Kabbalah, like the Arizal says, that every generation has a tzaddik who is totally 100% the incarnate of Moshe Rabbeinu bichvodo ba'atzmo. That's the Pshat in Kabbalah. We want to go a bit higher than that. We want to say like this, this ability of Tefillah Moshe to be Ish Elohim, to transform nature, and that's Adonai Ma'on, that makes the presence of Aleph Dalet Nun Yud, Malchut, Hashem's Malchut, that it's now Ma'on, and it's readily, readily visible to everybody that Hashem is the Makom of the world, and not that the world is Hashem's place, like right now, when it's concealed, you see, ah, there's a God somewhere out there, like they say the people, the secular people. Yeah, God is maybe somewhere out there, like, but I don't see him here. That's wrong. That's not the real truth. The real truth is he's, re- he's here. But we want it to be revealed that they shouldn't say that anymore. That, that, that There's no room to make such a statement. So that attitude, which is Moshe Rabbeinu, lanu bedor vador, you Moshe Rabbeinu, giving us the strength to daven like this, to activate tefillah, is with us in every generation. Because you would think, what the Zohar says, that Moshe Rabbeinu is present every generation. So what does that do for me? Okay, whoopee. Uh, I now have to find this tzaddik and connect myself to him. What will it do for me? It says, if you find the tzaddik and he's, he's in every generation, he's not so far. It's every generation you can find him. That with this tzaddik, I have now someone to attach my tefillah to, tefillah le Moshe. My davening is tafel, secondary to Moshe. And now I have the koach to change nature. That's the way a Jew can overcome nature. You hear stories of people who are, who are sick, are in bad situations. And what do they tell them? You have to daven. So the person says, what? I davened already a hundred times already, a thousand times. I don't see any hope. I don't see. So what's missing for the factor of davening? They have to attach their tefillah le Moshe. If it's Tefillah Moshe, then there's Isha Elohim, then there's mastery over the nature, then miracles can happen. This is the power of Tefillah. Tefillah is, I, I daven every day. It's not really davening, it's tafel. You see, davening is or Tefillah Moshe, or it's tafel, it's secondary, it's bland. It's missing taste and ta'am. There's no ta'am. It's missing the taste, so it doesn't go up, it doesn't cause fruit. I need my Tefillah to be secondary to the tzaddik. 
Not, not secondary to me, that I'm carrying the horse, I'm schlepping the horse. But now I now attach my davening, the tefillah lemoshe, Isha Elohim now I have. And this even, bechol dor vador. There's no room to be saying, ah, there were tzaddikim 50 years ago, there were tzaddikim 100 years ago, ah, there were these breast of tzaddikim 10 years ago, and now I, who, who do we have left? It's not like that. Bechol dor vador, there's this ability to attach your davening to the tzaddikim, to do miracles. The world says, there's no hope. It's finished and everything. Tfila, the Moshe dictates there is hope. There's always hope. You can always overcome the nature and be Isha Elohim, to be above the nature of Hashem. Everyone says it's over. It's over. 99%. 99 say it's over. And there's one that's saying it's not over. That one is the Tfila. But now you make the Tfila le Moshe. And yes, it'll over, it won't become no longer one ratio, one to 99. It becomes the 99. And the no, it's, it's over, the Yehush becomes the one now to 99. See, tefillah alone is tafel, it's secondary. But it's tefillah of a tav, is now le Moshe, then it causes Isha Elohim. This is the super power, supernatural power of Malchut. This is the supernatural power of tefillah. This is the characteristic of the, the song type, of the 10 types of song called tefillah. This is what tefillah does. That it does miracles to transform Nature to become above nature, to daven enough. I just remember that funny story once I heard directly from Rav Michal Dorfman. Rav Michal Dorfman told me that while he was living in Moscow, so his wife, Alea Shalom, started to complain about shoulder pains and was getting worse and worse and worse. And she couldn't sleep and painkillers wasn't helping, it wasn't going away. So they did x-rays. They went to some university hospital in Moscow. They did the x-rays. After the x-rays, they call Rav Michal to the side. They say, your wife has terminal cancer in her arm and it's going to soon have to be amputated and then it's going to spread and there's no, there's no healing for this. So he heard that and he said to the doctors, thank you. And then he said, now I have to really dove in. <laughs> so he started doing major itbodidut. He said, Hashem, I believe that only... He told me this. He told me this was his davening. Hashem, everything's in your hands. The doctors are not in charge. All this is a test for me to break to the hands of the doctors of nature or to believe that really, there's really a God running the world. And he davened like this, davened like this, and davened. And she had to go for another checkup, like in another two weeks or a week or two weeks, whatever. So they went back to do another checkup. And clearly a miracle. The cancer disappeared on the x-rays. And the doctors there who were top, top communists, you can imagine they were Jewish communists, so they were really communists, okay, unfortunately. The Jewish communists were the real co extreme communists, okay. So the doctors wouldn't accept what happened. And because it was a university hospital, whatever was being done always had students there. So when she went into the initial x-ray, there were students there with the doctors or the professors. And then the second time, there were also students. So the doctor didn't know what to, to, to tell the students. So Rav Michal heard the doctor telling the students, here you can see how even a, what's it called again? The machine, the, the machine, the, yeah, the x-ray machine can make mistakes. <laughs> okay. He didn't want to, the, 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 the professor, doctor, could not accept there was a miracle. He didn't, he didn't want to accept there was a miracle. Even though he probably saw this can't happen, but he sees in front of his eyes, he sees the x-ray from two weeks ago, and he sees the x-ray now, and it disappeared. What happened? So we have to conclude there was a, there was a little switch, a little switch in the, in the x-ray machine, and it didn't work properly, right? This is tefillah. 
tefillah, when it's attached to the tzaddik, gives a person the hope of Yishayelokim, gives you the hope that yes, I can be above nature. I don't have to be dictated by the laws of nature. Because if I follow the laws of nature, there's only sadness and depression, and that's not emet. It can't be that this is emet. And also the attitude accepted besimcha, but I know deep down inside I'm not accepting it besimcha. It's all fake, it's a bluff. Oh yeah, everything's great, Hashem's running the world. But it's, it's painful still, right? What I have to reach is Isha Elohim. I'm totally one with our God and His only God, and He's running the world, and He can change everything as He wishes, and that's it, period. There's nothing else. This is the Koach of Tefillah. This is the representation of the song called Tefillah Vizat Hashem, which we zochet to have it activated with the Tikkun Akali, saying chapter Tzadik, because that's what it goes to say, that this chapter, Kapitol Tzadik, has the power to give you Tefillah Le Moshe, the Tefillah attached to the Tzadik in Be'i Shalokim Vizat Hashem. All right. Yes, you